Hello, everyone. My name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming, as always, the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my humble studio, uh, tucked away in the tall timbers of Colorado, undisclosed in location, but reach out to us. We'd love to have you come visit. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. It is Friday, September 29th, 2023, and uh, that means it's time for our weekly discussion with my dear friend and technologist, Shane. And uh, today we're calling this the coming AI tidal wave, the coming AI tidal wave. And each week we try to give you some updates on uh, AI specifically and technology in general and kind of talk about how things are shaping up and what things you, you might need to be aware of and pay attention to. Of course, all within the broader context of how this is setting the stage for the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So I'll bring Shane on in just a moment. Can't wait to hear what he has to say today. A couple of quick announcements. I mentioned uh, yesterday on the program that we have a brand new store, which most of you are aware of. We, we rolled that out a week ago, uh, but we're continually upgrading it and improving it and just kind of taking advantage of all the new bells and whistles that our new platform has uh, at our disposal. And one of those is we launched a new free free section. So if you go to our store and you click on uh, the, the free section, I think it's under other free free content, uh, all kinds of things we posted. We just posted four or five more things even within the last uh, hour or so. Uh, and uh, so check that out. It's totally free. You don't have to have a credit card to check out and you get the content instantly. It's it's several documents, things like our preparedness guide and uh, my some of my other articles that I've written, the kinds of things that people email us about and say, hey, can you send me such and such? Uh, things that I mention frequently in different contexts or conferences or messages. And inevitably, people would email us and say, hey, can you send me that? And uh, instead of having to manually send that, uh, it's all automated now, and you can get it at your leisure, and you can spread the word. So uh, check it out at uh, notbyworks.org slash store. Uh, and while you're there, of course, you can check out the new book, Spirit of the False Prophet. Uh, that has uh, been really a blessing the way people have responded to that already. It's only been out, uh, only been on sale a month, only been available for shipping in the last few days. By now, those of you that pre-ordered it should either already have your book or it should be well on its way, hopefully going to be arriving uh, at your place in the next day or two. You can always check the tracking link that we sent you. Uh, but all of the books have been shipped. We're now shipping immediately when new orders come in. Uh, if they come in before noon, they go out that same day. If they come in afternoon, they go out the next day. Uh, so check it out. Spiritofthefalseprophet.org is the best way to learn about uh, the brand new book. And then uh, finally, I wanted to mention another great resource that we've just launched and really excited about it, especially uh, seeing how many people have already signed up. Uh, thank you for that, by the way. We have a new uh, subscription premier membership. It's a subscription model. You pay a monthly fee, a small monthly fee, or I think there's an annual fee if you prefer to do that, and it saves you some some money. But it's uh, basically, uh, you know, a premier membership where we're going to provide uh, exclusive content, videos, uh, audios, things that are only available to our premier members. And one of the biggest perks is that we're going to do invitation only for premier members only podcasts and Zoom sessions where we meet with you live by Zoom, answer your questions, just have a good time of fellowship and discussion around the Word of God. And those are going to be available to our premier members. We'll then post them uh, to the premier membership group so that if you're not available, uh, if you're a premier member, but you're not available at the time we do the live Zoom session, you'll still have access to it. 
so everything else is still free, like always. We're not losing any content. For those of you that uh, you know use our website regularly and listen to our podcast and watch my messages from either Plum Creek or conferences, none of that's going away. It's all still available. This is just an addition, new content, uh, kind of exclusive for a Premier member. So I hope you'll check that out. And uh, again, you can just go to notbyworks.org slash store and click on the uh, Premier Membership tab, and it'll tell you all about it, give you some updates. We've posted several things that are uh, not available to the public on there already. In fact, there are things that uh, you can purchase, some of our streaming content, like the uh, Bible uh, Prophecy Streaming Bundle, the What in the World is Going On Streaming Bundle, the Spear of the Antichrist Streaming Bundle, all of those, that's over $100 worth of content right there uh, on our uh, store. So check it out. See if it's something that might be a fit for you. We'd love to have you join uh, our premier club there at notbyworks.org. I want to mention uh, next week, we're going to be on the road uh, for a couple of weeks, actually, at the Prophecy Watchers Conference in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're planning to go to that, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, come by and see us. Uh, My wife will be with me, as well as several of my kids. And of course, Brooke will be there uh, with us, and you can meet uh, meet her. Uh, Stop by and say hello if you're at that conference. Uh, Then after that, we'll be at a conference in Texas near Tyler. Uh, You can check all of this out at the the Not By Works website, notbyworks.org. Click on the events tab. But what I wanted to mention is because we're going to be on the road, our podcast schedule is going to be a little bit off. And uh, next week, instead of our world events update with Randy being on Wednesday, we're going to we're going to put, do that on Thursday. So just wanted to give you a heads up. We'll mention this in our regular emails that go out. But just for those of you uh, that like me that wait eagerly for that conversation with Randy every week, just know that next week that's going to take place on Thursday. And one reason we decided to do that, as many of you know from listening to my podcast with Randy, that uh, next Wednesday on October 4th, there's a big EMS testing going on uh, around the country in a variety of sectors. And uh, we are kind of concerned about that, not exactly sure what to make of that. And so we wanted to kind of get that behind us so we can comment on it and uh, respond to it after the fact. Uh, So that coupled with my travel schedule, we're actually going to be on the road all day Wednesday. Uh, we decided to move it to the World Events Update to Thursday of next week. So I think that's all of uh, the announcements. Uh, our verse for the day is uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 27. Of course, today's the 29th, Friday the 29th. And so the Proverb, uh, Proverbs 29 is what I was focusing on. And verse 27 says this, An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. Now, that's pretty self-evident. We know that. We get that from a lot of passages of Scripture that, you know, ungodliness, unrighteous behavior uh, is in contrast to righteous behavior. But the second part of that couplet there in Proverbs 29, 27 is what caught my eye. So again, the first part, an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. But notice, he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. So has it ever occurred to you that godliness really perturbs Satan and his earthly uh, accomplices? They don't like it when people have moral standards, when people stand for what's right, uh, when they live godly, righteous lives, when they have integrity and ethics. It drives the evil and the wicked crazy because it's such a contrast to their worldview, and they just don't understand how anybody can operate based on uh, righteous godliness, pure motives, that kind of thing, when to the wicked, it's all about uh, getting the most you can, no matter who you have to hurt. 
so I just it was just a reminder to me, and hopefully it's a reminder to you that uh, you don't be surprised when uh, the wicked come against you and when they uh, attack you. You know, we are kind of girding up our loins as the new book is now starting to land in people's laps and in their mailboxes, uh, just expecting uh, that Satan's going to uh, ramp up his attacks because he does not like the message to go forth. He certainly doesn't like the clear gospel uh, to go forth in these books. He doesn't like people being awakened to his schemes to usher in a new world order. And uh, so, you know, uh, we're certainly not setting ourselves up as an example. In fact, that's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying here is that anyone who's righteous, uh, everyone listening to this program, when you do what is right, uh, that's kind of a thorn in the side of evil people. So be prepared for it and know that uh, Christ was persecuted before us. And indeed, Paul says, all who desire to live in godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. Time to bring on my good friend, Shane. Shane, thanks for joining us. Always a privilege. And um, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I am good. I'm uh, I'm busy. It's been just crazy. Um, I think I was telling you off air, you know, we the books were one day late arriving. We had promised from the very beginning when we first posted them September 1st that they would ship by September 25th. And honestly, I mentioned a few times on air over the last month that we thought we might even get them out sooner than that. But and not only was I wrong, but they actually were a day late getting to us. We had, they had some shipping problems, uh, uh, the shipper did. And so anyway, they came in Tuesday and man, I was so proud of my family. It was all hands on deck, and we got over 600 orders out uh, within the first 24 hours of receiving the books. And now we're all caught up and excited uh, to 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 get uh, get the books out there. So been been a busy week. Plus, we're getting ready for church this weekend at Plum Creek Chapel, and then we're getting ready for the big road trip. So uh, no rest for the weary here at at Not by Works. But I have been kind of keeping an eye on things with technology and. Uh, I know there's some stuff that, uh, as always, it changes every day that's kind of uh, cutting edge. So tell us what you've got on your radar this week. Yeah. So, you know, I got to say, you know, you earlier you were talking about your conversation with Randy, and I, I just want to give a plug here. Wednesday's podcast with him was phenomenal. Um, and so we need to lower expectations for for this podcast. <laughs> I, I don't think I can follow that one. That was a... Uh, um, that was a heavy-duty podcast. You know, one of my real joys in life, uh, Shane, uh, when I die someday or if the rapture happens, which I hope it happens soon, I expect it to, is being able to connect you and Randy. You know, you are two of uh, my dear friends. You have uh, you both mean the world to me. You've both impacted my life in powerful ways. Of course, I've known you a lot longer, and we used to work together. Uh, but uh, when I when through through Not By Works Ministries, the Lord allowed the two of your paths to cross, man, I think that was a special moment because folks may not realize that you guys di- dialogue offline now a lot. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is some crossover between, you know, general world events and, and technology. But uh, yeah, you know, thank you for that plug for Randy. But I got to tell you, world events update and uh, our technology update are neck and neck each week as to being our two most uh, widely listened to podcasts. So thank you, my friend. Well, well thank you for allowing me to be here. It's great. Um, so as far as what we have, you know, I'm going to use my old green, yellow, red for um, my assessment of these stories. Uh, you know, are they good? Or we're going to have to wait and see, you know, the yellow. And then the red is is absolutely concerning right now. So um, so we'll start off, of course, with the green here. And, and this one is one of those good use cases 
for AI. Spotify, the, the big uh, music podcasting streaming company, uh, is going to use AI to replicate podcasters' voices. And then after they have it replicated, we'll be able to translate whatever the podcaster is saying into other languages. So uh, they have partnered with OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT and Dolly 3 now. They just came out with a new version of that for graphics and so forth. Um, and so uh, this will create with this, you know, their, their implementation. Uh, and this is a quote, realistic synthetic voices. And what's interesting here is it says they just need a few seconds of speech in order to to uh, to to make that voice, to duplicate that voice. Um, and, um, you know, there's certainly been other solutions out there, but the amount of audio, the amount of samples they had to have was quite a bit higher and was very specific in, you know, what you had to say during that training phase. Um, it looks like this one has even better technology behind it and it doesn't require as much overhead. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing here is, is, you know, for example, with Not By Works, you know, what if, you know, we could have you preaching the gospel in Farsi and, and other languages? That is an excellent, godly use of AI. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a good thing here. So, so we'll have to see when that's made available in general, but looks like it's coming pretty soon. And are those kind of applications, I guess it's too soon to tell, but are they going to be uh, available for purchase to the general public? And if so, do you envision them being expensive? I don't know. You know, this is going to be, I, I think it's just going to be built into Spotify's offering, probably an attempt to help them attract more podcasters to come to that platform. That's what I would guess. But um, but let's also be clear, there's a there's a lot of other competitors here. Yeah. So, you know, if if the one on Spotify isn't the best answer, there's going to be 10 other competitors. Hmm. So, um, again, this will be part of that pervasive AI, right? And, and you're going to hear that phrase, you know, of course, in all the previous podcasts just about, you know, here today, AI is just going to be everywhere. And, um, you know, there'll be good things with it and and maybe some not so good things with it. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, this is going to be a common uh, common feature very soon in, in everything. Right. Um, so speaking of that, um, so this is what, last Friday, the iPhone 15 came out. Um, and so this is kind of interesting. Apple has taken a little bit different approach with AI. Now, they're definitely embracing AI. As a matter of fact, the new iPhone 15 comes with their A17 Pro processor. So, you know, a number of years ago, Apple started making their own processors as opposed to buying them from, from companies that specialize in fabricating CPUs. And this chip um, is, is very optimized towards supporting the kind of computational functions that are required for artificial intelligence. So it's it's going to be a, a much more AI-friendly phone than anything um, Apple has produced in the past. And so, and, and here's some of the good things with it. There is a voice isolation feature that will come with it. So what happens is the phone will employ machine learning, um, which is kind of AI and it's kind of not, you know, it's a little, in my opinion, it's a little bit more uh, uh, regulated, you know, algorithmically um, how the programs work than say a, a, like a large language model AI system, which is more of a black box uh, because it runs on a neural network. Um, so, so they're embracing it, but they're staying away um, 
from the generative AI. So, so for example, and they're calling it intuitive AI. So this feature in the iPhone 15 is going to use machine language to recognize your voice. And so after it's got enough data, it can really pick out your voice in a, in a variety of settings. You will, um, when you're making a phone call in the future, the phone will analyze all the sound coming in. And because it knows your voice, it will better be able to allow that sound to come through and to filter out the other background noises. So it should make for um, you know much more clear calls. So again, these are some of those those good uses. Yeah, One. and 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 I'm I'm glad you say that because it is important to remember, as you often remind us, that technology is is morally neutral and and it can be used for good, it can be used for bad. But again, you know, having studied the Luciferian conspiracy for so long, and and it's kind of been my focus for the last few, two years anyway, with these latest uh, three books, it's hard to to not think of some of the nefarious applications of that technology. But just sure. keeping it keeping it you know positive for the moment and optimistic at the moment, I got to tell you, that's a that's a great thing because you know how often, especially a guy like me who's hard of hearing, uh, I'm very hard of hearing. I wear hearing aids, and and it's very difficult for me to. Uh, to to listen, especially when there's when there's a lot of noise in the background. If I yep. can hear someone's voice more clearly over a cell phone, that that's a win in my mind. Absolutely. And and this next feature, um, I'm I'm really excited about. Um, it's called Point and Speak. So in the magnifier app, magnifying uh, app inside of the um, uh, the phone, you can aim the camera at objects, um, and the phone will tell you what the object is when you're touching it. So like I'm taking a picture, uh, you know, I'm running the, you know, running the app, have that mode enabled. And let's say I walk up to um, my uh, refrigerator and I touch it using the machine language AI system that, that will be uh, you know, running in this uh, new version of, of iOS when it comes out, I think it's iOS 17. Um, it will look at that and be able to tell me you're touching a, um, a refrigerator. Or maybe I'm going along the counter in the kitchen and I touch the toaster. It tells me this is the toaster. And then I touch the next thing and it's the air fryer and so forth. So a great, great tool for vision impaired people. Um, and oh, then, I see. Okay. Yeah, so so it, it's it's um, um, just a, a great way to, to enable people who are, you know, struggling with their vision hmm. um, to uh, to be more independent. Can you, can you, does it work on the inside of the refrigerator? Can you point to that Tupperware that's been in there for four weeks and say, remind me, iPhone, what was this? Will it be able to identify it? I, I don't think in the first release, but but who knows what they'll put in the second release. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll see. So there's a lot of neat things coming from this, um, you know, transcribing your voicemails automatically, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, so, so things I, that come with it. Speaking of that, I saw something about that. What was it called? Live voicemail or something? Mm -hmm. where, where on the new version of the iPhone, the new iOS, it will it will play when when someone that's what it is. I think when someone's leaving a voicemail in real time, it will play that for you, so you can yep. hear what they're saying. And then if you decide you want to answer it, you can interrupt them and and answer it in real time rather than having to wait till they're done leaving the voicemail, listen to it, and then say, "Okay, I'll call them back." Is that am I right about yep. that? Yeah, you know, I haven't seen uh, the the one on Apple side, but I'm I'm an Android user, and Google's had that call screening. So when a call comes in, I'll have three buttons that appear, um, and one of them is to answer it, one of them is to hang up, and then there's one in the middle 
that's a call screening agent. So I tap that and it, you know, and I get an on-screen display and text um, of, of what is being said. So it tells the caller, uh, the call screening agent, you know, uh, what are you calling about? And it, when the person answers, it it types it for me automatically. So I know what's going on there. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've seen that feature I've, I, as of on the other end when I've called people, but I think this is something different. It's literally, and I, I know it's an I, iOS uh, thing. And by the way, don't sell yourself short. We know you're bilingual when it comes to both platforms. You, uh, uh, you may prefer an Android, but you know, by the way, remember what the apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So I'll pray for you that you'll come on over uh, the iPhone side. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. another story. Uh, but no, I think what, what I'm remembering here was it's literally, uh, it's not a call screening thing. I mean, it, it functions that way, but w w you get a call, you say ignore or whatever. So it goes straight to voicemail. While the person's leaving you a voicemail, there's some mechanism that you can listen in on it. They don't know you're listening yep. in. And then if you say, oh, this is, you know, my child's school and there's an issue and they were wanting to get a hold of me, then I can, I can say, oh, I better take this call. Is that yeah. the bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be exactly the kind of thing this technology can do. Okay. Uh, and um, so, so that'll be, you know, that'll be good. And also the one that we're familiar with, um, you know, the predictive text, the predictive typing, um, when you're sending a, an email or whatever using the device, um, it's going to get, you know, it's going to be um, that same kind of technology, but more on steroids. Hmm. Um, so, so what's, you know, again, it, it's some neat features, but what, what Apple is going for right now, at least, is they're calling it intuitive AI. So it's something that should be a little bit more in the background. It's, um, um, you know, it's not focused on generating content but making you work more efficiently, having more capabilities within the device, really a more more uh, capable digital assistant is what they're going for. So, so you know, keep an eye on that. That could be very interesting. Um, next stories, you know, I put them in the uh, the green. I didn't really know where to put them. Um, one of them is um, there's a company called Whoop, and and it's a uh, performance company. You know, like human performance. So exercise, nutrition, fitness, things of that nature. And so they have a whoop coach that is powered by OpenAI and it will uh, work on your wearable devices. So if you have a, an Apple watch or something like that, it will give you performance coaching on demand. So again, this is, you know, I put this in that general pervasive AI. Um, you know, if you thought the Fitbit was advanced, what's coming is to make the current crop of Fitbits look like nothing. Hmm. Um, and then also, you know, a little bit different one here. And I've I've chewed on this one for just a little bit because um, I'd read something I wasn't quite sure was true about it. But the shipping company, UPS, mm -hmm. is, um, is about to use AI to prevent porch pirates from stealing packages that they deliver to people's houses. And um, I'd even heard that there was a... Uh, a version of the system that would use cameras. And if somebody, if the AI thought that somebody was going to be a porch pirate, it would release these canisters of a smoke-like gas so that the person couldn't see the package. And, you know, and, uh, and I haven't been able to confirm that story or, or, you know, or, or, you know, show it to be false, 
but part of me is just going, oh my gosh, if if you know, if AI is going to unleash smoke screens on my porch, that might be a bit much. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, here. I mean, it's what been... could possibly go wrong with that? And, oh, uh, and you can um, see how they could use that in, as a weapon of war. But help me understand how that works. Like, like obviously, there's got to be a camera somewhere. So are they? Is Amazon tapping into your your doorbell camera, or are they having their own? Well, this is U- this is UPS. I'm not oh, sure UPS. how yeah. how they're necessarily going to do that. That would be part of it, but they also are going to study. They have to study things like when I normally get home, what time I leave for work, mm. uh, you know, what time the kids get home from school, all these type of things. So it's looking for a certainly activity that that is outside of those norms. Um, and then I'm guessing they're going to use facial recognition and other things. I don't know that for sure. So, but I mean, is, I'm just wondering much- how. UPS is going to have access to that data. There's got to be a camera somewhere. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing there's something like a, a Ring doorbell or one of the other competitors to it. Okay, it's getting the feeds from, and it'd have to go through some sort of training period. Yeah, uh, but but after that that data's been established, that's when it would supposedly be effective. Yeah, or more likely, they'll just have they'll partner with some existing company and it'll be an add-on you can add on to your ring doorbell this i mean this ups app that uh, you know helps you prevent porch piracy Um, but it reminds me of some of the inside the house technologies echo and some of those things where you you train them by kind of walking around when you first get it and showing them your whole house and and that's stored on the, the cloud and i i was very leery of that a few years ago when that first came out because Again, anything digital is it goes into the cloud, and the cloud is just basically Satan's server, if you ask me. So, <laughs> yeah, it, we'll have to see how this goes, and, and there's going to be other technologies that come out. You know, FedEx is going to do something. Um, my, my guess is um, it probably won't be you know UPS's technology long term. There'll be some third party. Maybe it's an Amazon or. Um, or a Google or whatever that has those kind of features built into um, its camera. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so but, but we'll, we'll see. Um, anything they could do to stop the, you know, the, the stealing, that's good. But um, like I said, if it's letting off uh, smoke clouds, you know, I'm not so sure I'm, 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 I'm good with that personally. Um, the liability would concern me. So, mm. All right, so we're done with green. Okay, um, well, that's interesting. You know, uh, as always, green is pretty easily morphed into red if needed. Uh, yeah, um, hands, but uh, what's next? So uh, now we're in the yellow category, um, and there's not a lot of information about this this next one. Um, and, and this is something that uh, you know Randy's been uh, talking about uh, for for a little while, but it was announced that the CIA is building its own AI tools. So it won't just be one AI system, but specialized AI systems to compete with what China is doing in AI. Um, so you know, I put it in the yellow because uh, you know, there's one side where they have to do it, right? You, you know, I hear people every now and then talking online or, or you know, could be an article I'm reading stating that what we really need to do is to have all the governments agree to put a stop on AI and and, and so forth. That is a pipe dream. It is never going to happen. Um, We have uh, countries who um, are working on this at a breakneck 
breakneck pace have been for decades. Um, and so every first world country is going to have to make significant AI investments just to try to maintain the whatever the current position is. Um, so, so, you know, that's the necessary, and I'm going to say good side. Um, but the bad side is when you look at what these tools are going to be used for, it's going to be to sort through troves and troves of data. Um, the data that you and I have out on the internet, and it will be, uh, picked apart and analyzed by AI systems. So, um, that's, that's where it gets concerning. Mm. So that's why that one went to yellow. Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, I would call it more of an amber. Yeah, yeah. It, it maybe I need to add a uh, another layer here, right? Uh, maybe I need more of a DefCon system with five levels. <laughs> yeah, there you go, DefCon. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, boy, I was I was worried we might reach DefCon one here recently, but no. Yeah. I, I mean, I I like the way you do it. I, I think it's good to to recognize at at the top level that, of course, any AI tool, even if it's got great applications, positive, beneficial applications can be twisted and used for evil. But just at face value, hey, these are good. These are kind of indifferent. And, you know, and then these are the bad. So, yeah. And so here's 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 the next story in yellow. Uh, Meta, you know, which used to be Facebook, but they changed the name to Meta, um, is bringing out uh, AI software that will run across its different um properties like Facebook and Instagram and, and so forth. And we'll even be able to go into apps, you know, into messaging things like WhatsApp. And um, and so it, it's going to allow for sharing data and so forth between the services, which, you know, might be kind of neat. Um, the part that got me to put this into the uh, yellow here is they have a partnership with the sunglass company Ray-Ban. And there's a Ray-Ban smart glasses, you know, not, not brand new. We've seen smart glasses before, um, but these should be a much more stylish smart glasses than some of the earlier models. And it will, of course, tie into all of Meta services. And so, you know, that that's a concern. Um, I don't know that I necessarily want somebody coming into a meeting with me wearing some glasses tied back to some sort of other company systems. Hmm. Um, maybe recording what I'm saying and so forth. So, you know, I, um, I'm not I'm not a Facebook fan or or anything like that. Um, so, this I doesn't mean, bring a lot of value to me personally. But I can see how to be neat. The the potential for abuse is concerning, though. Yeah, I mean, I can see where that might have the same effect that years ago when uh, home security cameras and things like the ring doorbell and stuff became so pervasive, the real real estate industry had to change their real estate listing agreements when you would put your house on the market and add a section on there to disclose whether you had those cameras so that when people came to look at your house, prospective buyers for showings, they were aware that they were on camera and that's now standard wow. in all 50 states. Uh, I think the same thing is going to ha have to happen with this type of technology, because as you said, you're in a meeting, you have a presumption of privacy that, that only the people in this room are privy to this information. But if someone's wearing Ray-Ban sunglasses that is documenting everything that's happening and then, you know, sharing it with the Facebook world and in, in, indirectly, I mean, that could be huge. So this oh, is just a, another example of how fast things are happening that, you know, the regulations can't keep up with it all. Yeah. And 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 so 
what Meta's done is they've got a a, a computer vision AI model called Emu, like the the large flightless bird, and that's what's behind it. So it it's it's a computer vision tool. And so, you know, whatever I'm looking at in theory, Emu would be able to look at that and capture the image, analyze it, and do whatever with it. So, so yeah, so the, the privacy things will be a, a really big concern. Um, again, when it's pervasive AI, um, it's going to be hard to control. Mm. It's going to be hard to manage that. Um, next thing, this is also in that pervasive AI. And the reason I keep bringing up pervasive AI is, is in talking with people, a surprising majority of folks I talk to who aren't particularly interested in this, you know, this field, they're not in the technology world or, or anything like that. They don't necessarily believe that AI is going to be everywhere. And that's clearly the direction it's going. So, so there's a company called Anthropic. I've mentioned them once or twice. Um, they have a product called Claude, which is a competitor to, for example, ChatGPT, Google's Bard, and so forth. And um, the guy that started it uh, um, actually worked at OpenAI, and he felt that their products weren't safe enough. And when you talk here about AI safety, um, it's wanting to make sure that the AI doesn't, uh, A, give bad information, which could depending on what the question is, could be dangerous, could be life-threatening. And then also that it um, um, doesn't uh, get into controversial things, you know, things that could be uh, uh, destructive, right? You're not going to uh, have it be able to tell you how to build a bomb or, or something like that. So that's what, what Anthropic's focus has been. Well, Amazon has signed a deal with them uh, that will, A, make sure that Anthropic runs on their servers, AWS, their, you know, their uh, cloud services that power most of the internet, you know, they're the largest provider out there. Um, yeah, I, men I mentioned in the book, sorry to interrupt, I mentioned in the book, I, I think I'm re remembering this right in my new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, that AWS is number one, and it's as big as the next 12 competitors, or bigger than the next 12 competitors combined or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sure that the, the, the number it's, you know, I, I've seen seen that type of thing, but yeah, they, they are a giant, um, you know, while Microsoft and Google have both made great gains in that area, Amazon is the biggest by far. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was the, you know, the next 12 competitors, but, you know, put together, um, that, that AWS is still larger than that. So the other thing that Amazon's doing is they're investing, uh, $4 billion in Anthropic. Hmm. So the money, uh, that they're investing should signal to all of us that Amazon is going to leverage that AI, maybe not exclusively, they might have other AI systems, but it's going to be built into your Amazon devices. So this is, you know, again, it's going to be everywhere. Mm. Um, and continuing that, uh, that note, uh, Windows 11 had a, a feature update that I believe was released today. It's starting to roll out. Um, doesn't mean everybody's going to see this update available if you're running Windows 11 today, but very soon. And it is a AI agent um, being built in. They call it Copilot. It is based on OpenAI's system. And um, it is a digital assistant that will be built into Windows 11 that you can have tell it to compose an email for you. And because it's got access to all of your data, you know, it can open up Outlook or, or whatever mail program you're using. Um, it can get a sense of the tone of your writing and so forth. 
So it should be able to produce generative AI output that sounds and reads like you or like me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we'll see how you know what that how that really rolls out. Um, you know how, how how well it rolls out. Um, I I think it's going to be a pretty solid product, but we'll have to see on that. And and you've mentioned on previous shows that this could have practical. Uh, time saving and economic you know money saving benefits for companies you know for example if you wanted to send a, a an email uh, to a, a segment of your customer base maybe everyone that just recently bought a product or something you could just say generate an email that says this and it would do it and it would do it in the tone and tenor that you are wanting and it just that now you don't have to pay someone sitting in a cubicle to do this it, it just does it automatically right absolutely and um you know we or you could uh email might come in i've seen a, a system that did this where an email would come in the ai would analyze the 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 message that came in and would give you um i think it was three buttons and i could generate basically a positive response to it a negative response or um one where i think he just summarized it for me but i was going to write the response and so, so my involvement in responding to your email could be just taking a quick look at the summary and then clicking a button and the system doing it for me. Yeah. So could, you know, could be a good time savings tool. I could also see it being used as a form of tier one, you know, that, that very initial level of technical support. So you have somebody, you know, they're, they're working, they need to change something on the computer change of configuration, they don't know how. And instead of calling the IT help desk and getting in that queue and however long it takes, what if that person could just ask the computer using natural language, the computer figures out the desire just like a human would. Oh, you want to do X, Y, and Z, and then does that. So could be a good thing, right? That kind of built-in tech support. Um, You know, now there'll be job losses that accompany this technology at some point. Yeah, once again, um, when I when I can rely on the system where I don't need an administrative assistant, for for example, you know, that that's that's bad for for people in those those industries that are going to get displaced by AI. And speaking of that, I don't think we've talked about this for a a few shows yet, but uh, how is the unemployment? trajectory looking i know that's always been a concern uh and you've been one of the early ones out there kind of sounding the alarm is it still looking ominous depends on who you talk to um you know the most common story from what i can tell out there is that no 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 you you're misunderstanding ai is going to take away the cruddy parts of our, our our work which at some level will be true um and then it will allow us to do more creative things I just don't think that's how the business world's going to view this. Um, at first, there'll be leverage. Okay. So, you know, we'll make it easier for you to do your jobs with these tools. But at some point, um, the leaders of, you know, these larger companies and so forth will say, you know what? We trust the AI enough. We think it's reliable enough that we can start replacing workers. And it'll happen slowly for a while. And then it's going to pick up steam. And yeah. it will be a a tsunami. It really will. Yeah, I've been preparing for my messages in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, at the Prophecy Watchers Conference. I'm speaking twice. Uh, one of them is on uh, Yuval Noah Harari, 
and the mm-hmm. kind of beast system. And so I have a whole chapter on Harari in the new book, but for this conference, I'm even doing some more research. And I, you know, he is repeatedly saying in multiple contexts, almost every interview he does, the very thing that you just described, and that is that most uh, people will be replaced. That's his word, replaced. He talks about how they're redundant. They're just not necessary to do most of the jobs, and that with, yeah. with AI and transhumanism, we're going to be able to replace uh, humanity. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we know that's their goal, and of course, Satan's goal all along has been to destroy humanity. So uh, we'll have to just see. Yeah, and so... so- you know, maybe something for everybody to keep in mind right now, I know there's a little bit of a, a you know, chicken little, oh, this is going to take away jobs. Um, and it's because we're in the early stages. You, you're not seeing a ton of evidence for it. But there's a there's a famous quote from Ernest Hemingway um, in the book, uh, The Sun Also Rises. And one character asked the other character, how did you go bankrupt? Mm-hmm. And the guy that went bankrupt said two ways. Gradually, then suddenly. I love that quote. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And so what we're going to see is gradual job loss. And then, you know, and I, and I hate going to the, you know, the uh, hockey stick graph, you know, that, that was abused by Al Gore with the, with the you know, the climate lies. Um, but we're going to see that kind of curve, right? It's going to be relatively flat for a long time. And then it's going to just take off and, and almost go vertical. We're going to see a bloodbath at that point. Um, the, the only question is, is, is how far out is that turn mm. in the graph, you know, that turn upward in the graph. And, um, you know, certain industries will hold out better. Um, you know, for example, radiology. Um, just the, the, the way the law is right now, only a radiologist can look at an x-ray, for example, and say this arm is broken. For example, Years ago, my daughter broke her arm, and it was just a very obvious break. You know, especially when you look, you know, we didn't even need x-rays to tell it was broken, one of those situations. And so I remember we took her to the emergency room. They, you know, took the x-rays, showed, you know, what everybody knew. There's clearly a break here. And we had to wait for the radiologist to say it's a break. <laughs> um, so, but computers have done a better job than radiologists for well over 10 years now. But we're not seeing any intrusion of the machines into, you know, and, and replacing radiologists at this point because of legal protection. But at some point, um, those legal protections are going to be challenged. And even industries that have been really safe from the, the machines being there for their jobs, like radiology, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to take a while, but eventually, unfortunately, that, that's going to, uh, it's going to, those jobs yeah. are going to go away. I'm, yeah, I'm trying, well, to, trying to come up with more gentle words, but I don't have them. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tsunami. You know, it's way yeah. out there. It's in the middle of the Atlantic, but or Pacific, I guess. But it's coming. But you know, what occurs to me about AI is the biggest impact is time. You know, time is money. Really, yeah. that's true. In, in in the economics world, time is money. And if you can, you know, instantly have results from an X-ray. I mean, no sooner. You know, has the x-ray technician walked back in 
to to move the machine away from your ankle, then instantly you already know the results because of technology. That's Absolutely. gonna make the whole system. And that right now is a big delay, right? Yeah. It's a Absolutely. delay. I, we've all been there. I've been on, on the x-ray table many times through the years, uh, including last year when I broke my hand when volume two came out. And uh and you know what do they always say? Okay, well, you know, now in that case, the uh, the technician kind of with a wink said, you know, yeah, it's broken, but I'm not officially allowed to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but she goes, well, okay, give us some time. We'll send this over to the, uh, to the uh, radiologist. And as soon as they confirm it, then we can take the next step. And so that, that slows the whole system down, uh, especially in yeah. trauma centers and places like that. So that's just one microcosmic example of how AI is, why it's so appealing to, to, to the elite because time is money and they can get, get to the payoff a lot quicker. Yep. And that AI system never is on break. It, it doesn't uh, take a day off. It doesn't get tired and it's, you know, it's performance doesn't change. Um, people are, you know, ebb and flow. Yeah. Uh, AI is just going to be constant. I'm sorry to keep digressing here, but you keep saying things that remind me of things. I'm going to show a clip video clip in uh, Norman, Oklahoma next weekend and maybe you've seen this, of a world-class table tennis player playing an embodied AI. Yeah. And it is phenomenal. I'm a bit of a table tennis guy. I, I kind of grew up playing, played in college, played in, in some sort of uh, uh, competitive arenas and, and so forth, and uh, just really have always had an interest in, in uh, table tennis. But I was stunned. My dad actually sent me this clip. He was a table tennis player, too. He was never nearly as good as I was. Um, I just threw that in there because I know he listens to our podcast. But anyway, uh, but it was stunning. I mean, this is a robot. And it's yeah. and it's just performing flawlessly. But you're right. It doesn't get tired. So it never suffers f from fatigue. It's never going to you know, in an, an extended volley where there's slam after slam after slam, and he's digging them out from the floor, you know, he's never going to get tired to where finally, eventually he just can't quite reach that last one because he's never fatigues. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a real challenge. All right. So now we're into the red. Um, so this first one, don't have a ton of info. I've, I've seen screenshots of it. But we've talked about, you know, the different AI systems out there. Google has BARD, which is their current primary competitor to ChatGPT. And it, it's, it's a pretty good AI. Well, something went wrong. I'm not going to say it went wrong with BARD. It was, it was somewhere else in Google's architecture. And Google started to index and share conversations that people were having with BARD. So um, what it meant is you could, you know, you could, do a Google search for it and um, click a link and see somebody's conversation. Mm. So one thing that we all need to keep in mind is whatever we share with these systems, um, it's it's out there. It's no longer ours. Mm. And uh, so, so be very, you know, I'm not saying don't use AI. I use AI all the time. I really do. Um, but I'm very cautious with what I put in there. If there's anything confidential personally i'm I'm doing everything i can to keep it away from ai right now at some point it'll become almost impossible to do that but i'm going to kick that can down the road as far as i can and as a technology expert isn't that also true just in general of anything digital you just you don't want to put anything i've always heard it said and tried to practice this you don't want to put anything you know 
digital, whether that's an email or a post or social media or anything out there that you that you aren't prepared to see on CNN tonight. I mean, so yep. in, in a sense, that's that principle really is is nothing new. It's just even more urgent now. So we we've you know we've seen enough uh, little disasters over the years of people not obeying that rule and having what they thought was a confidential email that was very sensitive or or embarrassing or whatever exposed to the world. Um, but what we haven't because it's new and so forth. You know, it's, it's very understandable how we we got to this point, but we don't have those same built-in cautions right now with AI mm. and. Um, so, like I said, you know, this isn't an argument, of, you know, to not use it, but just recognize that things like that can occur. So be careful what you're putting out there. Be careful what data you upload to an AI system here in the near future. Um, you know, just make sure that, you know, if it were exposed somehow, you minimize the damage. Mm, mm. Okay, so be careful what you put up there. All right. Next story here. Um, we've talked about this early on. I know it... Uh, um, in fact, I think it was Brooke, but the CEO of Indeed, which is a, a job finding company, um, maybe the biggest one out there, it's, it's one of the big ones, uh, recently said that college students are currently being taught things, learning skills that will go obsolete because of AI. Um, so, you know, something that we're, we're definitely seeing, you know, what we, I just mentioned earlier that uh, OpenAI brought out the third version of Dolly, their image generation um, AI, um, and and you know you talked before about uh, your daughter's professors were saying, "Hey, we're seeing what AI can do." Yeah, it's that was. Change. I had, I've had two kids that have been impacted by that. Uh, Faith, it wasn't Brooke, it was Faith. Brooke okay. has, has already graduated a few years ago, but uh, Faith's a sophomore in college, and she went in last year as a freshman uh, pursuing uh, graphic arts and graphic design, digital design. And uh, they pulled all the people aside in that uh, department, I mean, the, the new students, and they said, look, we just you know want you to know you can continue to pursue this if you want. But this industry is is going away, and it's going to be taken over by AI. So she switched her uh, major to worship arts, and she's very gifted in music. And uh, our, all of my kids are incredibly gifted musically and artistically. It's it's really uh, it's pretty amazing. I don't know where they got it. Most likely from their mom, certainly not from yeah. me. But neither me nor Wendy are particularly gifted in those those areas. But then my son, same thing. He was a uh, starting his senior year in. Um, computer uh, programming or forget the i think it was uh, uh computer uh information systems i think okay. whatever yeah. it was they he, he they didn't tell him he just sort of came to the conclusion on his own based on what he was seeing that you know what i don't think this is the best use of my college uh, career and so uh, he shifted as well so yeah it's definitely impacting young people today so so it's interesting you just brought that one up because because you don't know you know the the stories um that, that i'm going over here but the next one is related to that. So, so for a long time, and and you might have even said this to your son that learning to write computer code is a good, safe career option, right? The, the need for technology, those demands are only increasing. So, so get that technology degree, and you will have a job. Um, well, it looks like um, um, even though you know, and, and certainly you know that that advice is being followed. Um, there's been a um, increase in enrollment in undergraduate computer science programs of, of various flavors since 2016. It's risen almost 50 percent. Okay, mm -hmm. big um, um, big push there. But 
when you look at the capabilities that are only getting better by the month almost um, of these, these um, large AI systems, the large language models in particular, um, they are starting to write competent code. Now, my experience with them in writing code is not, you know, it's been interesting, but no programmer is going to lose her job right now uh, with, with the state of AI. But you push this out a few years, and what we'll definitely see is a leverage model. So there'll be one more senior coder who's using AI built into the tools. And those tools already exist. You know, I, I have them also. Um, and it will help you while you write code. And so then at that point, maybe a company doesn't need to hire five programmers. Maybe two can do the job because it's, they're so leveraged with AI systems. So those jobs are going to shrink. And then again, if, if we continue to see this improvement in the AI systems, their ability to reason and to understand and, and so forth, we could, we could see it even replacing some of those remaining programmers. Mm -hmm. So lots and lots of jobs are going to be um, going to get displaced by AI, including coding. Yeah. I mean, both of my sons went to the same uh, college and um, uh, my oldest son did not major in computer science, but uh, my second son did. But the reason they went there during the during the visit visitation and kind of looking at different campuses and looking at different schools, one of their big selling points was that for several years running, so this would have been five, six years ago when Morgan first started, uh, at that time, for several years running, they had a 100% placement rate for any student graduating with a computer degree in that department. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if that's still the same, but I'm... I, I know one thing's for sure, the retention rate is going down because young people are starting to realize, you know what, in this world that's rapidly um, changing, uh, you know, we're not, you know, AI is going to take over these jobs. So we, we best pursue something else. You know, I, I had a, a smaller version of that, gosh, probably seven or eight years ago, there was a um, um, network security certification I had that uh, had to do with detecting network intrusion. So looking at the packets, the network packets coming in and uh, and looking for signs of it being um, hostile or not. You know, what, what's this person trying to do? And, you know, it was a very manual process, um, but, you know, but it was interesting. And I started looking at some of the, the demos for applying machine learning to network security and I, I realized that that's inevitably, in that area at least, something that's going to happen. Um, you know, and again, this is seven, eight years ago. So it was um, maybe even 10 years ago now. Um, but, you know, it AI wasn't in the forefront like it is now. But even back then, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to spend the money to, to recertify here and take the test, which is a, um, it's a pretty long test, um, pretty horrific kind of test. Um because I knew there wasn't a future in it. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but at some point that kind of job function will be done by a machine. So students have to make those choices right now. And something that occurs to me as we kind of go to more pervasive uh, AI is it seems like the more dependent we get on, we become on AI, um, the more likely we are to count on it 
you know, and therefore when it does make a mistake, potentially the more, the greater impact it will be. And what I'm thinking of here is like the example that I give in my uh, book, Spirit of the False Prophet of the facial recognition, which there's been, you know, probably thousands, certainly hundreds of examples of this kind of mistake. But, you know, the mistake, I think it was in Detroit where facial AI facial recognition identified a suspect who was in the system because of like unpaid parking tickets or something pretty germane. But anyway, they identified this gal as the perpetrator of a violent uh, carjacking uh, and using facial recognition, Sur you know, searching all the faces in the system. Oh, this is your person. Well, they went and arrested her when they knocked on the door, you know, she's a, a mom of two. She was getting breakfast ready for her kids. And get this, she's eight months pregnant. <laughs> and yet the police said, nope, AI can't be wrong. We're going to still arrest you. And so she ended up spending like 12 hours down in the station before they got all, all sorted out. But it was no way it could have been her. But, you know, that's pretty serious. But it seems like the more sophisticated AI becomes, the more likely we are to depend on it and assume, man, it's it's pretty accurate. But what if it makes a mistake? Then it could be huge, right? Our our responses to AI are probably what concerns me more than anything. Mm. Um, it uh, I, I think it could lead to, especially embodied AI, uh, towards us being allowed to um, abuse these embodied AI systems. And if they look like people, the more they look like people. I think the more it's going to diminish our ability to recognize and appreciate the Imago Dei, that image of God in other people, and make it more easy, become more callous towards abusing them. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, that's a huge, huge concern. Um, or, you know, the flip side is, like in this case, if we have a blind trust of AI, that is going to lead to unspeakable evil yeah yeah no, i know i i think it is um you know it's going to be it's going to be the new version of i was just following orders mm. okay yeah well, and that's what the police officer said as well ai can't be wrong and so even though common sense told them there's been a mistake a very serious mistake somewhere and they should be empowered as you know beat officers to make a decision on the spot and say, wait a minute, this isn't right. The problem is in this totalitarian system that we become, you know, people don't think for themselves. I can remember even in our day, Shane, when, you know, if, uh, if you get pulled over for speeding, and, and of course, this never happens to you, because you, you're such a godly person, you probably never speed. But, uh, you know, I going back, when I was younger and first got my license, if you got pulled over for speeding, you know, the cop was conversational. They tended to try to be friendly. They, you know, they, they might sometimes have a bad attitude, but my point is nowadays, everyone's so afraid of a lawsuit or for, they've got these body cams or everything's by the book. And it's almost like you're being pulled over by a robot and you try to have a conversation with them and just say, Hey, hello, officer. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was speeding. I confess, you know, whatever. And they're just like, shut up and lick my boots and hand me your driver's license. You know, it's just they, they nobody wants to even talk anymore. And, and what's what's interesting, you know, listening to you talk about that um, and, and, and some of the other things you talk about, being a sci-fi nerd here, um, what comes into my mind is is especially older sci-fi books and some movies. Um, and, and what seems so far-fetched in those movies is on the verge of being a reality today. Maybe sometime we should do an episode. It'll take me a little bit to pull this together. But um, looking at some of the themes that have been on our podcast concerning AI, 
and and then have a list of movies that that demonstrate that reality. I would love that. I, I uh, largely because of your influence over the years, you turned me on to some of the great sci-fi writers, Philip K. Dick. Uh, I forget the trifecta, the main three, but uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I would love to do that. And in my new book, I, I make frequent reference to several of those authors, quote them and cite them. Uh, but uh, I, let's plan on that. Here's a here's a quote that I'm going to give. Um, in uh, Norman, uh, I happen to have my presentation open in front of me because I've been working on it. Um, but this is from a BBC documentary on Orwell, A Life in Pictures. And in the film's final scene, it's a dramatized scene. It shows a recreated, fictionalized version of Orwell who makes the following ominous prediction. He says, quote, something like 1984 could actually happen. This is the direction the world is going in at the present time. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. The yeah. moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't let it happen. So, yeah, that that does. I'm not surprised that your mind goes back to some of those sci-fi movies because it's all it's reality now. You know? Yeah, I um, yeah, and that quote is so powerful. I, I know you can't see it, but uh... Uh, here, let me try to turn my webcam. Of course, that does no good for your audience here. You might want to. Yeah, but it, it makes them jealous. Yeah. Oh, the post there? Not yet. They're the big brothers right? watching you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that is um, uh, that is a great quote, and and yeah, I'm concerned that he's going to be right on that. You know, yeah. and, well, except for the forever part. You know, God. You know, we know from the Bible that uh, that the. Uh, elites you know these luciferians will not be able to do it forever yeah but a oh boy that's their goal that's what they're trying to do yeah and in fact the chapter my favorite chapter in the new book chapter six the title of it is artificial intelligence science fiction no longer <laughs> and yeah. uh, and i start out with a story about uh kubrick's uh space odyssey 2001 space odyssey so anyway yeah it's uh, definitely headed that direction yeah and so again kind of interesting um that the next literally the next one in the uh the list here is uh, that uh, some very well-known authors um, and those who aren't so well-known have discovered that pirated versions of their books were used as part of the data uh, used to train one of meta AI systems. Um, so there was a database called Book Three that listed 191,000 books, roughly. And um, and it was and this is the quote from the article based on the collection of pirated ebooks, most of them published in the past twenty years. And so, um, so we're talking writers like George Lucas. Um, there was a Quentin Tarantino screenplay in there. Um, uh, Alan Moore, who who I'm a big fan of his work. Um, Neil Gaiman, another guy that I'm I'm really a big fan of. Douglas Adams. Um, J.K. Rowling, um, these are some of the um, authors who have had their works pirated and used to train an AI system. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I just sent you a text. Um, there's a, a guy who got access to the database, made it searchable. So you can type in the names of authors and see if there's any books that were included. And if so, which ones? Because some of these writers have had multiple books taken and used to train this AI model. And so what are the implications of that? I mean, so they they steal their books, they upload them to this AI system. And uh, oh, uh, Steve Potesnik was one of them. Wow, I just searched yeah. him. 
and uh, yep. Tom Clancy. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yeah, it's not- so, so what is that? What's the, I mean, spell it out for us. I mean, I, I, I know what the issue is here, but. Yeah. Uh, so, so once they have that much source material from a given author, it becomes much easier for the AI, somebody to prompt the AI to write something that sounds like uh, what, what, you know, JK Rowling has written. Um, so the, the ability to, um, to produce uh, I don't even know how to describe this. Let's call it pirated, but um, to to have fake versions of books that are written by an author is going to be easier. Um, and this is going to be a, a huge issue that the industry is going to have to deal with. There's going to be lawsuits galore coming from this. Um, it'll be in the news. Uh, just follow it. It's going to be interesting. But but wow, if you really have access to a number of works um, from you know, you got a guy like Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, um, or or J.K. Rowling. The length of their books are so much data there to train the AI on, and then we start throwing in two, three, four, five, six books um, with that many words in the books. The AIs will become very capable of producing a copycat work that will be very difficult for possibly even at some point the author to detect, except for the fact that he or she knows they didn't write that. But they're not going to read it and say, oh, this isn't my tone. This isn't my style. It will, in fact, be that style. Yeah. And we I talk. I was trying to find it real quick. I, I couldn't. But in my book, I have an example, an early example of that. And I think you and I have, have talked about it before. In fact, you might have been the one that alerted me to it of an author who was searching Amazon and discovered she'd written some new books. <laughs> she didn't know she'd even written. And and someone had done just what you're describing. They had taken her existing works, uploaded them to a, an AI large language model, then generated entirely new works uh, under her name as if she had written them. And her fans were buying them up on Amazon like crazy because they sounded like her. They were similar to her other works. And they thought, oh, she's come out with a new book. And it was kind of plagiarism in reverse in a way, you know? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they stole her brand. Yeah, know, exactly. That, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was um, terrible. But we're, you know, but, but that, that first case that I was aware of um, was lesser known authors, you know, uh, you know, not the name recognition of, of Rowling, for example. Um, but now we're seeing it with much more famous authors. And I doubt this is going to be the last time we see this kind of problem. Mm. So, so one of the challenges that we will all face at some point is, is that new book actually written by that person? Yeah. So keep an eye yeah, on that, that one. That's, that's the crux of the matter right there. Uh, you know, in general, it's just fiction versus reality. How will we be able to tell the difference? And sure. you know, to bring this into, and I know you've got more on your list here, but to bring it into a prophetic standpoint, you know, if the beast and the false prophet, the Antichrist and false prophet are going to be able to oversee a full spectrum planetary control grid, they're going to have to use... I think embodied AI people or whatever, that's not the right word, but creatures, you know, yeah. and they, that, that people aren't going to know when you're, you know, dealing with an authority who's checking your papers, is this a real person or an AI person? And it won't matter. You know, you'll have, they'll, they'll, they'll have the same authority, but it's just going to be a way for Satan to fabricate the breadth of his power in a way that makes it look real. Yeah, absolutely. That is, um, it's not just coming, it's here, okay? 
Um, we're, we're not super deep in the water, but we're definitely making our way into the uh, into the ocean. And um, and it's going to be a real problem. Mm, mm. All right. Next one. I got two more uh, items left. Um, this next one is is largely based upon um, uh, stuff Randy's been warning us about for a for a long time. Um, officially released um, articles, stories about how the military is using AI in weapon systems. Mm. And, and so when we look at this list of items here, um, some of them are good. You know, there's a good use case here for AI and some of them scare me. So, so some of the items, I'm going to give you a, um, uh, two good ones. Okay. One is predictive maintenance. Predictive maintenance lets the machine say, oh, I need this worked on or this isn't optimal and can can alert people um, of an impending failure in, say, a gear maybe, you know, in the equipment or whatever it is before it becomes obvious to the humans. Uh, so it can be scheduled and, and just uh, maintained better. It's not breaking down in the middle of an operation or something. So predictive maintenance, that's a good thing. And, and we use predictive maintenance in all kinds of systems. Uh, the hard driving computer um, has a, uh, you know, you can call it a predictive maintenance system. It looks at the um, how well the drive is performing and can give you warning ahead of time before it's going to fail so that you can make sure you got backups of your data, replace it, and so forth, as opposed to just running it until it breaks down. Well, we'll have this in, in these weapon systems, so that's a good thing. Uh, this next one gets, you know, a little more concerning in a way, but speed and precision. Um, the uh, AI can can uh, calculate um, trajectories and so forth um, on um, um, munitions, you know, firing weapons and so forth, uh, much better than humans. Where this is a good thing is um, you sh we should have less uh, accidental deaths, right? If, if the AI can make the weapon system be more accurate, stand much less of a chance of it going off course and, and hurting people who are innocent. So, um, so, you know, those are some good things to it. Some ones that concern me on the list, uh, one of them is swarming drones. When you have um, AI systems that are in control of drones and they can talk to each other and move as a organism, right? It's not that we have a thousand individual drones up here, we do, in fact, have a thousand individual drones, but they're not operating like a thousand individual drones. Um, it, it, it's much more of a, an intelligent organism that's moving. You know, there could be some good things there, but also it doesn't take much of an imagination to see the risks. And then the one that's really concerning is autonomous targeting. So this is the stuff of sci-fi movies. This is the Terminator, um, where you have an AI system that is allowed to make decisions on whether or not to attack, on whether or not to kill. Hmm. Um, that deeply, deeply concerns me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is where it's headed, and you know, this is where Satan wants it to head. He wants to create autonomous beings. Uh, in the same way that God Almighty spoke the world into existence and created the highest pinnacle of creation, mankind made in His image, and uh, and given the source, you know, uh, if you know whatever's born of Satan is is satanic, and so these these autonomous weapon systems are 
you know, we can't count on them to make wise decisions. And in fact, you can expect them to go rogue, right? Sure. I mean, it, it's going to be RoboCop, yeah. you know, yeah. and one of those movies that we can pull back in for this. So I'm hoping, you know, I, I know Randy has better things to do than to listen to me on a Friday, but um, but what I'm I'm hoping is that uh, at some point, maybe he can do a special um, episode talking about the military system's use of AI. Yeah. I get the tech side, but but the um, the, the the military hardware side and so forth is not my area. Um, he's got a radically better grasp of that than I do. Um, I think um, I think that would be fantastic if he did something like that. I mean, it's kind of a about, trick to say this on air when he's not here, but uh, oh, I um, talk about Randy behind his back all the time. He won't care. Um, and and yes, you better believe he's listening to this. Uh, but uh, here's here's an idea, uh, and I hate to throw this out there live, but I'm going to do it anyway. So um, hopefully, I can coax you two into it. But what if we do a joint show one time and talk hey. about military and AI? You know, the way I see it. With your brains and Randy's brains, the three of us make a good team. So that, that's that's the way I, I, would, I would love that. I would love yeah. to to uh, to do that. So yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can work on that. Maybe after we get back from these next two conferences, uh, yeah, get something scheduled. Sounds good. All right, last story: um, the Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI, uh, recently got on Reddit, the uh, online community, um, and made a statement that uh, basically said that AGI, artificial general intelligence, which is that um, I still consider it a theoretical state where a AI can perform in a variety of tasks as well as a human. Um, he is saying, he hinted that AI, AGI had been uh, achieved internally. Hmm. Um, now, a little bit later, of course, that caused a huge buzz. Um, you know, when we're talking about the job loss, um, if there is in fact AGI, absolutely a bloodbath in the job market. Okay. Um, I don't think it needs to get there for us to have that kind of, of, uh, job loss, but AGI would absolutely push us there a little bit later. Of course, that caused a lot of, uh, concern. And so he kind of rolled back the statement a little bit. Um, it's also interesting that it happened, um, after open AI said it wants, wants to do more, uh, capital rate raising. Um, because they're trying to get to somewhere between an 80 and 90 billion dollar valuation on the company. So OpenAI, the company trying to chat GPT, could here in the near future be worth upwards of 90 billion dollars. So oh, so in light of that, you know, some people are saying maybe it was a way to uh, grease the skids on um, that that capital coming in uh, to OpenAI. Um, but you know, I'm a little bit concerned that uh, that I'm wrong here. Maybe they have achieved AGI in the lab, um, and and if so, then then it's going to look much worse than uh, anything I've said. Well, AGI is the holy grail of artificial intelligence. It's what they're all striving for. When we've crossed yeah. that Rubicon, we've arrived, and it's what the Luciferians are striving to do in terms of getting to that you know element of being able to create. Uh, life that transcends humanity. Uh, so yeah, it could have been a, a marketing ploy. Obviously, you know, the idea is, hey, throw us some of your capital because we beat everybody else to AGI. So we're we're leading the pack now and, and you don't want to go with one of these second place companies. Um, yes. But more to the point, I it wouldn't surprise me at all if 
if they, the, the, the power elites, the ones that are working at the behest of Satan, even if they don't realize it, to usher in a new world order, have in fact achieved it, and it's it's just kind of leaked out. Um, but uh, OpenAI is behind uh, WorldCoin, which I've talked about before, and I talk about in the book. Uh, that's a pretty freaky, you know, thing where everybody signs on with their retina to this one world, basically cryptocurrency. Uh, and last I checked, it had over two million people that had signed up, almost three million. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, OpenAI is definitely a player. I mean, ChatGPT alone uh, kind of put them on the map are, are we looking at, before we close out here are we looking at a essentially another with ai a dot com boom like we saw before only on much bigger scale absolutely right now the uh, venture capital funds are just flowing in i think on a previous show i you know kind of a little bit tongue-in-cheek but not exactly tongue-in-cheek said that you know you and i could go get one of these models and and uh come up with a um a system to do whatever using ai in the hopes of getting some some investment money, and and there's a lot of that going on right now. There's absolutely a bubble. Um, I don't know if it's going to pop in the same way that it did in the dot com boom, because people are are saying, "Hey, is this like the dot com bubble?" So so maybe they've learned a little bit, but yeah, there's absolutely a bubble. Um, I don't know that right now at least it's as big as it was in the dot-com era um i think I, i'm hoping at least people are, are a little smarter in this area but but um but something though that's different is we we didn't have um as many of these large companies that have significant cash reserves um that are able to fund this kind of development um you know, so this is kind of this is kind of the bubble 2.0, and I think it's going to look different than what we saw previously. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely bigger in terms of raw dollars, no question, because yeah. it's 25 years later, and 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 you know, there's more money out there. Uh, but as a percentage of the whole, who knows if it's if it's as big? I mean, dot com certainly impacted the economy big time, um, but uh, the whole Y2K thing, and and then the uh, the the dot com revolution when the internet really started you know getting uh, popular in the 90s but um well shane this is really uh, helpful and so much of what you've you've talked about is 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 so vital and so such great information i hope everyone else uh, finds it interesting i i feel like you and i are just having having a conversation and i'm benefiting from it and then sometimes i forget we're recording it but i hope the audience benefits from it uh as well any closing thoughts before i close out just um, you know, I know some of the the information being brought is heavy. It's even scary at times. Um, but you know, focus on the Lord. Uh, Jesus won the war. Um, you know, it's just the aftermath is playing out right now, and so our hope is not in our ability to control AI. It's not in the the promise of AI. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ, and and so. You know, I'm not saying there's not things to be you know concerned about because life has its concerns and, and we're adding to it with AI, but uh, but there's hope. Okay, yeah. there's absolute hope. There's absolute assured victory. Um, this is not our end. Um, we will be with the Lord forever. If you know, if, if I'm assuming everybody's trusting the Lord that's hearing this podcast, but um, but that's where our hope lies. So don't lose hope. 
Amen. I mean, God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Um, you know, there is that fine line, and I've talked about it for years, for years and years, uh, between presumption and faith. And, you know, we've got to prepare. I mean, we, we want to be prepared, but never scared. That's the key. Proverbs 22, 3 makes it clear that we want to be aware of what's happening, see the train coming down the tracks and, and get out of the way when needed. But at the same time, undergirding it all is this faith that we have in the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. And, um, you know, I hope that's the takeaway that most people have. And and by the way, faith, it, it takes faith to become a Christian, and then we exercise that faith as a Christian. So faith to become a Christian is a one-time moment in time when you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that you are helpless and hopeless to solve your sin problem on your own. You can't do anything to overcome it. You can't be good enough. You can't pay for it out of your own resources. You have no hope. Uh, and everyone is in that same boat. We're all born dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy and love, uh, demonstrated his love toward us by sending his eternal son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, to the earth to pay my sin debt and Shane's sin debt and everyone's sin debt on the earth. The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the payment for our sins and not for ours only, but the sins of the whole world. And uh, so he paid that debt because we could never pay it. And then he defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead three days later. And now, victorious over Satan and over death and over the grave, he offers this gift of eternal life, this payment on our behalf, freely to all who will accept it. So it's not forced upon anyone. You have to make the choice. Uh, just as we were given free will when we were created in the image of God and we chose to rebel against a holy God by sinning, in the same way, the answer to man's sin problem must be freely accepted. Uh, God doesn't force anybody to get saved. You have to receive the gift. A gift that's forced upon someone is not a gift at all. Uh, and so the gift is out there. It's come one, come all. Whosoever will, let him come drink of the water of life freely. We are justified freely by his grace, Romans 3.24. So I hope if you're listening to this program... Uh, and I know the reach of these programs is continually growing. We're we're just so thankful that the Lord is opening new doors uh, uh, for us. Uh, and so it's quite possible that someone forwarded you this link, and you, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't go to church. Maybe you're not active in, in your spiritual uh, pursuits. Well, let me let me tell you this as plainly as I know how. You need to trust in Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He's the only one who can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except uh, through me. So if you've never been saved, trust in Jesus today. If you've already been saved, as Shane was just saying, exercise that faith. Trust daily in the one who saved you. I mean, Paul tells us in uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, you know, he says, how he said, he who does not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. In other words, a God who would send his own son to pay your sin debt and rescue you from the penalty of sin. He says, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, how silly is it for us to trust in Jesus for the thing that matters most, which is our eternal destiny, but fail to trust him day by day when we see the world falling up around all around us? God is able he is able. So keep your eyes fixed on him and trust in him. So, well, thanks so much for being with us, Shane. And uh, thank you guys for listening. It's uh, it's just been a, a really encouraging uh, discussion with Shane, at least for me personally, and I know uh, for you as well. Don't forget to check out our brand new store at notbyworks.org slash store. 
And uh, you can check out the new uh, Premier Membership subscription, check out the new free section with all kinds of free resources for you. Um, and uh, and then uh, keep up with us next week. You know, we're going to be on the road, but we've got some podcasts scheduled. And of course, we'll be at uh, the Big Prophecy Watchers Conference there in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, we're, by the way, that same weekend, not uh, today, but a week from today, one week from today, uh, we're on Jan Markell's um, uh, Understanding the Times, a radio program, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next week. And so check that out. I know you'll uh, appreciate her. She always does a great job and uh, she's a, been a real blessing to Not By Works Ministry. So uh, with that, I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Uh, continue to keep trusting the Lord and uh, we will talk to you again next week. God bless everyone.